0: Dan Endon. Number yeah. two. Dan two. Other Dan. Co-host Dan Endon. Ladies more, and gentlemen. I see myself more as like a Dan uh 1B. Dan's not fishing. That's you. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Movie Blues <laughs> <laughs> Podcast, Dan, your home. Dan's napping. <laughs> for interrupting each other with good jokes. Um, I, I'm Dan Lyons. Dan Endon. And today we have a very special uh Halloween spooktacular Um Uh, We used to have Stephen King spooktaculars, but we got really sick of his work really quickly. Yeah. Um, And now we're just kind of free balling it, free winging it. Uh, Yeah, but
1: it's still... No underwear. In the spirit, it's a Losi spooktacular. This is a
0: Losi spooktacular. So what is this, number four? Cuatro. (laughs) <laughs> um, today, uh, we're going to do a quick chat about, uh, what we've been spooking on this season. And then, um, we have a very special treat. The, uh, writer, director, producer, and star of today's film, uh, called Be My Cat, a film for Anne. Uh, his name is Adrian Sofei. And we will be uh, interviewing him. I did a lengthy discussion with him um, yesterday, and we will be presenting it here after we set up the movie. So for those reasons, uh, if you have not seen the movie, Be My Cat. Now, this isn't something we usually say on the podcast. Usually our job is to fully illustrate things for someone who hasn't seen it. And granted, we will still be doing that here. But I think it would behoove everyone, um, and this isn't even a comment on the film's quality, to watch Be My Cat, a film for Anne. Um, it is a 2015 found footage horror movie. Um, it is going to be, as you're seeing right now, if you followed the link through the movie Blues Rental Zone, uh, our 31st choice for uh, 31 Days of Spooky Rex. Um, originally, I had this queued up uh, to be the, the final choice and did not know I'd be speaking to Adrian Sofay, uh, was working very hard on his accent to do a episode-long impression of him, which I've since abandoned, and... Um, I was
1: very concerned about
0: that. <laughs> and uh, now that we don't have to worry about that anymore, um, we can just talk about the movie and uh, talk about why it ended up as the 31st film on Spooky Season and what is uh, special and notable about this one um, for uh, the time of the year. So... Speaking of the time of the year, uh let's talk a little bit about what we've done uh ritualistically and watching wise to get into the spooky season. Last year or was it last year, I think, Dan enden showed up to my house for our spooky pod uh with cat in full Halloween costume. Uh today not so much, unless you think an Opeth sweatshirt is a joke. And <laughs>
1: I can't remember. I guess
0: was I think that it was two like, years I, ago. I'm,
1: yeah, I think it was during the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Um, like I hadn't seen another person in eight months and you showed up like dressed like a ghoul. Um.
1: I was dressed like uh, the Mad Hatter from fucking Alice in Wonderland.
0: What, was Kat the Cheshire Cat? I don't remember. No, was she
1: it? was. She had like an alien situation going on. Okay. Perfect couple's costume. And um. I'm, I'm not like a couple's costume person. <laughs> we have different tastes. One, That's one, fine. one year we went. As, Express uh, yourself. The one year we did it, we were two contestants on Double Dare. I got the shirts and the helmets and everything. Oh, nice. Um, and we did that to uh, an Umfrey show. And I uh, the result of it was lots of people coming up wanting to take pictures with us. Mm-hmm. And I fucking hate that. So the couple's costume <laughs> thing's gone right out the door. <laughs> I hate attention <laughs> as I record a podcast and play a two bands. <laughs> nice.
0: I, I didn't mean to. Oh.
1: Dude, I got to say, when we're podcasting less frequently, Uh um, and while our schedules are so fucking wild... (laughs) I I, I know
0: what you're going to say. Go ahead. Like...
1: Me hearing that music right there, it's like fucking hearing the Beatles, dude. Like, I agree. It just like, it, it, it literally warmed my fucking acid reflux ridden
0: heart. Uh, <laughs> um, welcome to our spooky episode, Los Usputacular is, is uh, Cuatro. Um, yeah. Today on the podcast, we will be talking spooky stuff, as tomorrow is Halloween, as today, if you're listening, is Halloween, because that is when the episode has been produced. 10 out of 10. I'm Dan Lines. Bye. <laughs> Um, for spooky season this year I've obviously because i run 30 days of spooky wrecks in the rental zone which if you're wondering the madness behind that was scheduled in September and I haven't looked at it once so every day is a new surprise for me Dan's a compulsive lister.
1: well uh, in the rental zone the first time um You guys, if you're in the Rhino Zone, you know that every day there's like a an art drop of the day Mm -hmm. of some really cool artwork, like outside the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, Now running for over 400 days. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. Is this Dan did not discuss this with me. One day, one just showed up during the pandemic. (laughs) And I was like, that was cool. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully he's sparing with these. Good idea. Um, And then the next day one showed up and I was like, cool. And then like seven days later, another one showed up and I hit him up and I was like, where are you like finding the time or consistency to post one of these every single day at the same time? And he was like, oh no, um, I have the next 120 days scheduled of them already.
0: And I was like, what and when, when did you do that i don't understand what this has to do with compulsive listing though oh i get it i'm insane
1: yeah so that you had you made a list and then found art for like 120 <laughs> movies on that list listen and then scheduled them in the horrible
0: facebook business suite uh-huh.
1: to post every which day which is a nightmare and that was 400 days ago <laughs>
0: Um, I, there is a good explanation for this. There is a good reason behind all this, and it is... Because I've been deemed with mental health. And that's about it. <laughs> yes. Um, spooky season, Dan. Oh, I'm um, going to make that be my ringer when you call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for spooky season this year, I've tried to really get a good web over everything that I possibly could. Uh, most of the TV offerings uh, have been less than stellar. Uh, Mike Flanagan's new show, Midnight Club, is a disaster. I couldn't even make it through two episodes. You're no. saying
1: you're not feeling
0: American Horror Story New York? Oh, I won't even <laughs> I, I won't, I won't, I won't touch that with a 900-foot pole. Um, but I will uh, Put truly the most terrifying setting They've come up with so far Seriously There's actually no uh, like Creatures or monsters in it It's just footage of New York Yeah it's just people getting out of a Diplo concert <laughs> It's just how to with John Wilson But with Evan Peters in it um, So uh, yeah speaking of Evan Peters Probably the best thing I've watched still uh, For Halloween was Dahmer um, I'm not one of those people that like Crumbles under hype and is going to come out and say Like I didn't enjoy Dahmer I thought it was fantastic Uh, a little exploitative and a little overboard with some of its themes, but for Ryan Murphy Project, it's about as restrained as it could ever be, so thank you. And
1: and props to Dan, um, patron simp of Marvel in the Rental Zone, to Mm -hmm. let us know that he doesn't
0: rebel against hype. Uh, speaking of one of the other best things, was uh, the MCU Halloween special this year <laughs> called um, Werewolf what by is, Night, which I think that? Dan Endon should abso- absolutely watch. It uh, is a he won't. Michael Giacchino directed what? and scored black and white Universal monster movie ripoff, sort of. All right, I'm for sure going to watch that. I take um, it back. has rated R violence. It's on Disney Plus. It's starring um, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. It is extremely well made. What does it have to do with Marvel? effectively nothing. If you were to watch it um, without knowledge of the Marvel Universe, it makes no difference because it takes place like in the 40s. It's just a tale set in the Marvel Universe um, filmed and staged as if it were a Universal Monster movie. And it was not only good as that, as, as sort of an aping of those things, but incredible on its own um has one of the best things the mcu has put out in years it was has great Giacino directed other things no this was his directorial debut this interests me uh and he did the score as well which was cracking like so good the entire time even the score over the credits was incredible so obviously it's a huge passion project for him and that's like a nine out of ten uh really incredibly strong that's cool uh, piece that, of actually, content.
1: that actually actually uh brings me to something that I, I wanted to remember to bring up that I totally would have forgotten
0: mm-hmm.
1: was that um, I had been listening to past episodes more than typical mm-hmm. um, and I, I listened to all of these spooktaculars this month. No way. And there, there's a common thread where we can hear your increasing frustration with like my seeming lack of appreciation for horror yeah, like yeah, every yeah. time you wreck a horror movie I end up hating it. <laughs> sure. Uh, and then last year i ended up saying the phrase i was like i think i just don't actually like horror movies anymore um and then that's been like really ruminating in my brain since then because like i still have shutter i still watch schlock horror all the time Uh and the conclusion that i came to is that like it's not it, it is kind of that i don't like horror so much but i love slashers and like psychological thrillers like well, I got, it, I in my to head, my whole life, those. I've been like, oh, I love horror movies. But when I think about, like, all of my favorite ones, it's all, like, kind of schlock slasher movies.
0: So, like, Adrian in the interview says about his own mother, he likes, uh, it's the opposite. He says yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his mom likes uh, thrillers up until they become slashers, and then she's out. Um, you're kind of the opposite. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, that that is very interesting because that is a huge paradigm within horror fandom. Um, There are people that for uh, the best example uh, that comes up in the interview, but is still the best example is uh, John Carpenter. Like if you're a person that's like, I like they live more than I like Halloween like me. Yeah. Then that, you know, but where does where does the thing fall on that? The thing Back to me is his best movie. Yeah, I know.
1: No, that's I, the heads and shoulders. That's like that's like. But it's, but not, that, a it's not a slasher, and no. that's like the counteraction to this. Where it's like that's my favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah, I mean, that, like that's that a, I would say is a sci-fi horror. Movie. Yeah,
0: right. Um, I do like a sci-fi horror movie. Yeah. Me too. I like it's like well, sometimes a sci-fi horror movie can be a slasher, uh, like look, if you're looking at Alien. Like Jason for, X. Well, <laughs> yeah. if you're looking at like Alien, Alien is technically a slasher. Yeah, right. Um, it's just done from a very different lens. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I um, had a lot of fun with the Marvel property. I had a lot of fun with Dahmer, and um, my biggest shock, and was going to be my original choice for this podcast episode until all of this happened with Be My Cat, was Halloween Ends. Um, Would that have required me to watch all of the new Halloween? No. Okay. Mm-mm.
1: Because did, did Halloween actually end this time?
0: It ended, but it was the biggest fuck you to Halloween fans I've ever seen. Really? It, it was a piece of genius. I just bought it on Steelbook. I don't own, if you look at the thousand plus DVDs yeah, yeah. next to you, I do not own a Halloween movie. Not right. a single one that is there. Not not is uh, it, Rob it, Zombie, not John Carpenter. Is it because you don't like any of them? I don't like any of them. I really? like the first. That's it. I, I, I think the first is a, is a masterpiece. Really? I think Halloween 2 is great. No, I, as soon as they were like their brother and sister, I was like, this okay. is fucking... See, Halloween one doesn't do it for me nearly as much as Halloween two. Halloween one is is the alien of the franchise, whereas yeah, yeah, sure. Halloween two employs all of the tropes that mm-hmm. you'd imagine mm-hmm. from a Halloween film. Now it's kind of different because, like in Friday the Thirteenth, that first movie, it's kind of the same thing, but, 100%. That's, but that's not good. That's a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, in the rest of the series, the tropes are funnier and better than right. that original movie. Halloween is the inverse, where the first one is excellent. I've never seen another one. The first one. one is like a film. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I've never seen another one that has matched that energy. I do like Season of the Witch.
1: I was going to say, but that doesn't really...
0: And mean, this it. movie, Halloween Ends, opens with the same title font as Season of the Witch. Really? And that's when I was like, All right. this is interesting. That is interesting. And then the movie kicks also, off with... the score to Season of the Witch, by the way, mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um. Then this film kicks off with what I will say was my favorite cold open from any slasher movie in recent memory and definitely through uh, the Halloween series. Nice. It throws you off guard and the movie never recenters itself. It becomes like more like true romance than a Halloween movie. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, maybe I'll even throw it on the table at some point. Didn't it get skewered? It did, but this is, yeah, right. this Common is my life. Um, um, what about, uh? when's the last time you watched Halloween H two a, recently like 5 or 6 years ago and if you watch Halloween 1 and then 2 and then H2O that's an interesting that's canon that finishes to itself me, That's
1: off. I that's literally what I do a lot I, of people I fucking hate that. Halloween 4 like this uh yeah 1 2 H2O as far as I'm concerned that is what the Halloween franchise is
0: um and uh you know then the, then this season has also had a, you know a bunch of good things that are new barbarian i highly recommend on hbo max fantastic horror movie it's so much fun to watch um and um i really enjoyed the fall which you had watched on an airplane uh, oh i did yeah and, watched something an article just came that. out that Stephen king is like obsessed with it that he thought yeah. it was great um so that's good i mean his opinions are typically terrible what did you think
1: of the fall you liked it
0: I liked it up until it, it did uh, a couple things narratively that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. It is a very tense, great movie, but it should have just been uh, the movie that it was setting yeah. up instead of kind of what they tried to do at the end. But still, dude, on my giant TV, that movie scared the shit out of me. I watched um, it on a plane. Yeah, terrible. That's horrifying. Um, um, that's a different kind of horrifying.
1: Uh, yeah, when Cat looked over and was like, because, you know, she was like, do you want to use the splitter and both watch the same movie? She's like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, I'm watching a movie about people in very dangerous si- situations, very, 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 very high in the air. <laughs> and she's like, what is wrong with you? Um, um, that movie, I I love that genre that, like, me I'm, too. I'm
0: stuck in, like, one little mm-hmm. place for the whole movie. Open, well, open water. It depends. Yeah, it depends how it's done. Sometimes it's a great detriment. Sometimes it's a great. Like it, what? Uh, like phone booth with Colin Farrell, oh, like one of the yeah. worst movies I've ever seen. And sometimes yeah. people do no, too I, much. I just
1: mean as far as like
0: suspense horror. Yeah, like yeah. No, that's, I, I
1: love that premise.
0: Me too. It's produced some good results. When
1: I saw The Fall was a thing, I was like, how are they going to do another one of these movies? Like, really? How? Like, and it is. It was tough to watch because like. There's no way to achieve that movie without following the exact same rhythm and tropes that all of those movies have. Like, the whole, like, oh, the screw's coming out of the ladder. I'm like, yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for me, and I don't want to uh, make this seem like it's contrived for the purpose of this episode, um, Be My Cat, a film for Anne, isn't, uh, you know, technically the best movie that I've seen this spooky season. Like, Barbarian cost $140 million to make and was starring uh, the, the clown from It, Skarsgård, and uh, a few other really great, um, extremely expensive looking additions to that movie. But this one seems to have had the most like psychological effect on me, be it positive or negative, because I had simply never seen anything like it Recently. Um, obviously, there's movies like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer Man. or American Psycho Dog. or Man Bites Dog, where you're following the antagonist in the film, where you are being entrenched in, in the mania of a killer or a um, evil person of some kind. And um, sometimes found footage has done it. There's a fantastic movie called uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon uh, that is as a filmmaker who is following a serial killer as he explains to him what he's doing in every scenario. That's Man
1: Bites Dog as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I mean that, that is very interesting. Had never seen a found footage movie that uh, skips even further of the middleman as this movie. And it's just literally one man with a camera. I mean, arguably uh, some of the movies I'm mentioning, uh, Leslie Vernon, maybe even Man Bites Dog. There's a crew To some extent, Mm -hmm. there are, uh, you know, there's a guy holding a mic. You're put
1: in the voyeur position rather than the participant position, and that's a massive difference.
0: Um, Be My Cat goes a a step further where there's no um, wall of division creatively between this insane character and the viewer. You are... With him, if anything, maybe you're Anne Hathaway. But um, uh, I, I just want to tee this up really quick um, because for anyone who hasn't seen it or uh, has not um, read anything in the rental zone about this movie over the past couple weeks, uh, "Be My Cat: A Film for Anne" um, was on a list that I saw of best found footage horror movies you've never seen. I read the description. The description said a man in Romania is making a film to impress Anne Hathaway as he kills people in a, in his local village. Um, I saw that, and here's what went through my mind. Firstly, of course, I've never seen this. Maybe I should check it out. But what really went through my mind is, oh, this might be interesting for the podcast, because any movie that's going to be about killing people in the name of Anne Hathaway from yeah, Dark Knight yeah, Rises yeah. Um, is a... Meta be, like, an absurd idea to the point where we should do it on the podcast. And Um, huge potential for ego fail. Sure. Now, this brings us into lane two. Now, um, I want to put this as easily as possible. Uh, We've seen a lot of movies by a lot of foreign directors who think that they understand Hollywood, that they understand cinema. They get a couple dollars. They go out and just wreck themselves. Um, And we call it an ego fail, basically, because... And it doesn't need to be a foreign person, but there is this market of these movies, whether it's The Room from Tommy Wiseau. Um, there are these directors or anti-coronavirus, which we saw uh, earlier in the podcast. Um, there are directors who think that they're making this genius passion project, but somewhere in the language barrier, somewhere in the understanding of horror or our culture or how to make movies, they get lost in the sauce. And what they produce is something that is like equal parts, cringe, hilarious. It, it doesn't do any of the things that it's trying to do. Um, and I was convinced that this was going to be that. In fact, when I started be my cat and the movie opens with this very enigmatic, strange man rambling about Anne Hathaway, I was like, okay, we're on track here. This guy's probably the director. He probably has no idea what he's doing. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's about 20, 30 minutes later when I, like, started turning, like, sheet white watching this movie, um, and, uh, really think that, um, you shouldn't let us spoil it for you, but, uh, if you like movies that are really trying to sell a character over a story, over, um basic jump scares things like that then this is a great movie to watch um, I know this is going to sound super hyperbolic and ridiculous to some but like there are moments in, in movies and characters in movies that when I watch them become I would describe it as addictive uh, a performance um, and it can be in any genre for example uh, Lisa Kudrow has a show a comedy show on HBO um, called The Comeback and her character is so nuanced and has so many weird phrases and mannerisms that it becomes addictive to watch that character, to emulate that character. That show is so good. Um, the same can be said about uh, someone like Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight Rises, where, or, or in The Dark Knight, where his performance is so good that, like, I have watched clips of his performance more than I have watched the movie. Where I really, you know, get to a point where you watch someone down to the way that their eyes move And you're like, wow, genius decision. Like You can really see the work going into it. And I um, think that regardless of how you feel about Be My Cat as a film, obviously um, it was made for very little money. Uh, There was no crew. It was made by one man uh, with a camera. He had never held a camera in his hand before uh, to make a movie or anything like that until he made this. Uh, And he is a master's graduate of acting from Romania. And... After uh, he graduated he started working on this movie uh, out of a one man play that it used to be that he used to do um, and was part of his thesis and uh, ultimately he spent years getting into this character to make this movie and uh, yeah in the found footage circle this movie really took off it reached a lot of really kind of powerful important people and he's in a constant state of being interviewed by podcasts and uh, film blogs and uh, YouTube channels, things like that. And so I thought, let me send this guy an email and maybe he'll be available. Maybe he won't. I don't have any idea what he is going to think of us or, uh, his involvement, but I'm very happy and proud to say that Adrian Sofe is a super nice, uh, incredibly smart, gifted, creative. Um, he's not like, Uh, a guy that went out and made a Martin Scorsese-level movie on his first shot with a $100 million budget. This is someone who truly made something out of nothing. Um, And, yeah, I'm very proud to present my interview with him here so that you guys can hear a little more about what went into making basically a one-man show with one camera, Um, very little money. And now he is embarking on a trilogy of films, which he has been working on, uh, his new movie, which is coming out, I think, next year, called We Put the World to Sleep, uh, is a kind of maybe a religious conspiracy cult type of vibe. Uh, and him and his wife have been getting into character for several years to make this movie, which uh, is now dropping teaser trailers um, and is coming out soon. So this is a guy who didn't just jump straight into Hollywood after his first like cult classic. He is still basically doing his thing. Um, Ari st- Staying extremely out of uh, the public eye and has been in character online uh, for his new movie for several years, which I think has led to like some shadow bans from Letterboxd and a bunch of weird things that I was starting to read into this morning before we started this. But maybe we'll do that as a follow up one day, because he did grace uh, graciously tell me that when he does put out We Put the World to Sleep, he would like us to come and interview him again. Um, so that should be an interesting experience. And as for now, uh, you know, make sure you've seen Be My Cat, a film for Anne. It's free on YouTube and, uh, we will link it in the post again for the group. And, uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Adrian Sophie. Um, so yeah, first I wanted to thank you, uh, you know, for agreeing to the interview. Um, it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you about your career in film. Um, that being said, uh, I did do a lot of research and in that research found that obviously I'm not the first to interview you. So my first question is how, uh, sick of interviews about Be My Cat are you at this point?
2: <laughs> uh, did, did, did. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, yeah. Uh, t- to be honest, uh, I-, I never uh, uh, I never rejected any interview invite uh, so far. Only lately, uh, because I'm focusing so much on my upcoming movie on "We Put the Word to Sleep," and I already started releasing teaser trailers and stuff, and editing it takes. So much time. It's such a difficult project. Only lately I began, like, kind of to. I kind of rejected a, a couple of uh, <laughs> podcast invites and 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 felt and felt bad, but not at the same time, not too bad, you know, because uh, um, uh, I, I also became to I, I also started to be a bit more selective. Well, um, I, I, we definitely have slightly more than five
0: listeners, and um yeah, I know. In the group, I really have been pushing um, the people who I know love horror the most to check out this film, and all of their reactions have been the same. I haven't had one person. Usually in this group, it's very contentious. I'll say, you know, I love this movie, and then someone will always come out and say, ah, you know, this didn't do it for me, blah, blah, blah. This was, like, unanimous. People were like, wow, this was really an experience. So, um, yeah, thank you for taking that time.
2: You, you, you have a Facebook group, uh, or...
0: Yes, we have a public uh, f- group and a podcast, uh, so fans of the podcast come into the group and discuss their favorite movies, our favorite episodes, we release the episodes into the group, so... You uh-huh, know. that's so cool, please invite me to the group, because I, I don't think I've seen that group. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, I just wanted to tell you up front that, um, you know, doing interviews like this, I've done uh, some for the podcast with actors and um, some filmmakers, and... I do feel a little bit of pressure in those situations, but with this, the pressure I feel is different. Um, it's almost as if uh, when they said back, uh, you know, years ago, when people would meet Boris Karloff or Anthony Hopkins or Bela Lugosi, um, the character that they played is so profoundly disturbing that it's it's hard to separate the two. I mean, I've seen interviews with you before, of course, but. Your character from the film, and especially since I've watched the film twice in a week to really absorb it and go back through it um it's hard to separate um, but I'm glad you have a slightly different hairstyle so this this looks more like this looks more like be uh put the world to sleep um Adrian instead of uh, be my cat so I feel a little more comfortable
2: <laughs> <laughs> you 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 feel a little more more comfortable because you haven't seen me put the world to sleep oh boy. <laughs> Because if
0: you had seen that one... I'd be more scared. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see that. Um, And I wish I could ask you more about that. But unfortunately, we do have to go back into the well a little bit of Be My Cat. Um, For those reasons, I really tried to find questions that maybe you hadn't been asked. Uh, I even erased quite a few from interviews that I had gone through where you were talking about Be My Cat. Um, So the first one I wanted to start with... um, is that we all know how the American response to "Be My Cat" went? Um, it was a cult classic in many circles. Um, obviously, you received accolades from uh, Jason Bloom from Bloomhouse, which is beyond belief. Um, and
2: I-, I wish. Sorry, sorry. I have to correct this because uh, I. Re- uh, uh, I wish they, I wish it was actually Jason Bloom. It, it was from Bloom House, but uh, the back in uh, uh, they, they used to have a, a section for for film reviews. So it was one of their crew, one of their. Oh. Uh, reviewers, not not Jason Bloom directly. I, 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 yeah, that's
0: okay. Well, we'll look at it however you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell people that it was Jason Bloom. No big deal. Um, so um, <laughs> we've all uh, seen uh, the reaction in America, but my question for you is: What has been the reaction in your home country, uh, in Romania, um, in the film community, in the artist community? Has that been a different experience than the American reaction? or similar uh
2: the the romanian uh uh, what should i say i I mean i I do have fans from from romania but they are i I, we don't have a community like the way you have uh sorry i you are from the u.s or the uk
0: sorry i'm from the u.s i'm from philadelphia
2: okay yeah um um so uh, it's not like in the U.S., like where the there there is a more tight uh, uh, horror community where horror fans have each other uh, as friends on Facebook and go to conventions and stuff like that. You know, I think Romania has a more scattered community. There are some people one in this neighborhood, one in the next neighborhood. Like very few. I, I have very few fans from Romania, hmm. but. Uh, yeah it's a, it's not a and like it's it it's it's even hard for me to to reply to this question because it's not like it's not like there is such thing as as the reaction of the Romanian community you know it's it's right. it's just just one fan here one fan there from time to time i i i uh, the, the, and and they hear, they heard about the movie not from Romanian festivals or from Romanian, anything Romanian. They heard of it because they followed podca- popular podcasters in the US, sure. popular gamers, like, uh, um, uh, I forgot the name of it. Yeah, anyway, there there, there were a number of very popular uh, YouTubers who wrote about the film and stuff. And <laughs> interestingly, that's how uh, some, uh, some uh, geeky Romanians learned about they, they <laughs> <laughs> were like oh my god we have such an indie creepy found footage horror movie in Romania and how, how come they- I didn't know about that yeah because uh, it was such an, an an indie effort and it didn't go in theaters in Romania it's 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 not it, it uh, I I also as a person I I was not part of this uh, establishment in Romania of the filmmaking community sure. you know so I don't have connections, friends and stuff like that, you know, it was a pure indie effort, which uh, uh, it is still to this day is becoming, is still being discovered by more and more and more people. Yeah. Because uh, in the lack of a marketing budget and all that, literally the movie got discovered little by little by little from from word of mouth, you know
0: right i i'm a musician myself and done a, a lot of touring and things like that and you know in music history a lot of uh european and uh uk bands their ultimate dream is to just make it one step into america and it is amazing that you were able to just with the power of your film circumvent so much of that process and make it into the hands to the people who uh, like myself, are going to pass it on and and praise it and make sure that people see it. So, um, you know, continually good job on that front. It made it into my hands, I think, a little too late, but um, I'm trying to catch up. No, it's, uh, it's,
2: it's, 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 it's totally fine. It's totally fine. As I said, like, uh, still to this day, people are still discovering the film. And I think uh, i think there is, i think the film will, will still grow you know that's that's I one do of too. the thing that i'm so that i'm so happy about this film because uh, a lot of other films uh, they have a first uh, festival run or commercial run and then in time they get they get little by little they get uh, people forget about them do you mean i get the opposite yeah. initially nobody knew about it and then more and more and more and it's still it's still on the it's still on the Pat, you know, it it didn't reach yet the uh, it it didn't it didn't reach yet the full ex the the entire potential audience for this type of film. You know, there are still sure. a lot of, uh, of fans of these types of films that haven't heard of it yet. It didn't reach them. So yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and you know, kind of in the same. Uh idea of i've been wondering a lot of what people's reactions are to the film um who aren't regular horror fans who may know you um one scene that stuck out in be my cat is very early on you introduce the audience to your mother um who i would assume is probably your actual mother yeah yes um now has she seen the film and what is her take on this entire experience for you so far
2: yeah, my my, <laughs> my mom constantly is asking. We've moved. Uh, we've moved from that house where uh, the first the first sequences are 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 shot in our actual home, uh, not the the rest with the when with the hotel and stuff. That that's shot in a in a different place. But and she constantly because we have moved now. She's nostalgic and wants to watch the movie. <laughs> See the, the old house home. and the surroundings <laughs> and the yard and <laughs> <laughs> My mom, yeah, she, she's, not a, she's not a horror fan. She's a thriller fan though.. Like, okay. uh, Her favorite film of all time, I think is uh, one of her favorite, if not. One of the two is uh, uh, um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, for example. So uh, she, she, very interestingly, for example, she she loved uh, she loved uh, Assault on Precinct 13 by John Carpenter, John Carpenter, yeah, Halloween. So whenever it's something <laughs> that when if it's a tense thriller, but so tense that literally you you sweat that's one that she loves it. But the moment it slightly crosses crosses into horror, she doesn't like it anymore. But, but would be my cat because uh, because it's me and uh, uh, she feels proud, you know. And she she asks from time to time to rewatch the film, and uh, uh, she likes that. Yeah, she. That's she likes great. It. <laughs>
0: Um, I, you know, uh, have noticed a lot of things about the film uh, in my going through it. And I uh, am a person probably much like yourself who loved the Blair Witch Project. I saw it in theaters when I was uh, basically 12 years old, 11 years old. Um, And found footage for me is a truly uh, special genre. Um, I think it goes toward uh, what you've probably studied in your master's acting stuff, where you're taking one more layer of artificiality out of the filmmaking process and kind of cutting out the middleman so that you are right there with whoever is in the film. Um, In this case, however, typically in a found footage film, you're following the victim. Um, You're hardly ever following uh, the killer, the uh, antagonist fully on his own. Um, And that's what I think is truly uh, the most timeless part of Be My Cat, which is that it really attempts to focus on character over tropes and that your performance is what is so unsettling instead of, let's say, jump scares or musical cues or graphic violence or movie makeup. um, You used acting to truly inform the fear, the tension, um, everything that's in there you can see in your eyes in the film. Um, And I'm just wondering, is that an approach that you initially wanted or is that, you know, because I understand, of course you didn't have much of a budget to work with. You couldn't have giant monsters jumping out. Did you always know that your character would be so strong to carry this entire experience, um, all the way through?
2: I, I, I yes, yes, yes. I, I, uh, I, I have to, uh, I mean, there's there no place for, uh, uh, how should I say? I can't find that English word. Um, uh, Anyway, <laughs> yes. The, the answer is yes. yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I knew. I mean, uh, because from the start, the um, from the start, uh, everything everything began from, from a one man show that I that I played in, in theater. And uh, uh, the same thing I did. I did all by myself. It was just me on the stage, you know, no, no costumes, no uh, uh, makeup, no nothing on the stage. Nothing it was just me and the audiences. And I self-directed myself. I also uh, wrote it, inspired from other things. And and my character. Um, and when I wanted to adapt that into a movie, I did not keep the story of the one-man show. Right. That that one changed but i did keep uh, the psychology of my character sure so practically the psychology uh, of of that character so because first i had the character and then i had the movie right uh, the movie was shaped around the uh, a certain uh, psychology for the character that i was about to play in the movie so uh, already from and, and and another reason is that uh i wanted also to 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 make a film that would that would launch my acting career as well not just my filmmaking career and also having a background in in acting and also so a lot of things a lot of things came together that uh that that made it a film that, which is so much uh acting and character focused right uh to be honest I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have chosen to include for example the torture scene but I had to. If I if, if it was just just up to me just to how I feel there wouldn't have been any violence whatsoever. It would have been a purely psychological character driven movie. The only reason I included that because I thought uh, I, I was afraid it, it it wouldn't be commercial enough. And literally, I wanted to give something for horror fans because uh, I, I I was a, I, I felt a responsibility. I felt okay. I'm making a horror movie. Uh, already it, it already found footage. It's already little budget. So if on top of that I make it only about a person chatting, it's. It, I, I, i I will disappoint just too many horror fans, so I just wanted to give them a little perk, a little something, sure <laughs> and I, I you know my my
0: wife and I uh watch a lot of horror and she doesn't like you know violence and graphic scenes and things like that. and um, we watch stuff that is far more graphic than be my cat, far more I mean to the thousandth degree we you know with millions of dollars behind it. And she has never been so unnerved and scared as she was watching the surgical scene, even though there's no real violence to be seen other than the spray of blood, even though there's nothing than what's behind a sheet. um, It's like uh, the thing with Jaws where he doesn't show up until, you know, more than halfway through the movie. It's about what your imagination conveys uh, in those moments. And there are so many moments like that in Be My Cat where... Whether it's you saying uh, very early on, one of the first lines that you say, uh, you say, I got the actresses, but they don't know I lied to them. And then it cuts. And you don't know what the lie is. You don't know what you're even referring to. But there, and there's many moments in Be My Cat like this, where you used editing to really put this ominous moment to the forefront. and. And then your brain starts racing. Well, why is he lying to the actresses? What is there to lie about? And, and, and <laughs> it's, it's just incredible how many things you did that aren't seen, that do involve work on the viewer's end. And that is so much more effective, just like my wife curled up in a ball during that surgical scene, than even uh, the most violent horror movie. So, yeah, I mean, uh, even if you had a million dollars, I think still your character is what is so special. And um, I really appreciated that approach, um, because I didn't know. Uh, you could have told me that there was a whole crew of people that you had there. And I would have said, okay, I've seen found footage movies where there's just as much going on, where I assume there's a, an audio guy, there's a script person, there's a, and, and knowing that it's just you, I mean, and that it all came from up top. I mean, it is so impressive. Um, and I'm still finding ways.
2: I'm really happy. For example, that you, you, uh, you are the, actually the first person to have mentioned that moment when he the cut the cut before the. Um and he said, "I'm gonna to lie to them and stuff." And it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 happy you like that.
0: I get goosebumps from that. <laughs>
2: mm, wow! I, a lot of the things that I did in, in Be My Cat were were uh, uh, intuitive. You know, a lot of the decisions were intuitive. For example, that cat cut. I don't remember to have actually rationally thought of it. Oh, I'm gonna make this cut because mm, I was cooled I was schooled in acting. And I was a bit in theater directing, and then my film school was watching tons of movies, you know. So then, when I did *Be My Cat*, all that knowledge uh, uh, during all the all the months of of hard work on *Be My Cat*, all that knowledge combined with my experience from acting and directing theater came and kind of just came out of me, you know. A lot of the decisions were not were not rational. Were not oh, I'm gonna do this cut and I'm gonna sure. manipulate audience this way. No, it just just felt just felt <laughs> the the right way to do it. And, and yeah, so so much work, but at the same time, by the way, like editing and it, a lot of the stuff were done. Like literally, I I I, I learned to edit a movie uh, by doing it, you know. Like yeah. First, I, I just put all the footage on the timeline. Like, okay, what 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 am I doing here? And literally started reading Google how to edit, you know. <laughs> and, and, and then and then cutting little from here. Mm, how does this look? Ah, no, let's go back. Literally trial trial and error for for months. That's, that's how the the editing process, by the way, happened. And just looking what works and what doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes to show that. No matter what program you use, no matter how much money you have, no matter... I mean, we see in America, more than anywhere, movies that cost $200 million where I finish it, and I'm like, did a single person have a brain while they were making this movie? Um, and, and it just goes to show you, and when I was in film school, they always taught me that it's, it's not really about the tools that you can achieve great things with the power of your mind. And that's why it's a beautiful art form to begin with. And, and this movie is proof positive of as, as, as American centric, as it, as the phrase is the American dream, which is to take so little and do so much.
2: I'm so happy you are saying this. You know I've been asked since we were talking about uh, other podcasts and stuff I was asked you know what were my inspirations and stuff like that and and uh, I think more than 3 times I said in podcasts actually my inspirations for this film were actually not the what I've nothing from what I've learned for, because I also had some classes I also know what is being taught in Romanian school in, in film school and stuff like that actually m- I've learned from the American Dream, actually. Yeah. You know, from from that, I, I grew up watching films and documentaries about 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 these kids, you know, who just who just who just want to grab a camera and do something, you know, this 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 uh, uh, this indie this indie crazy spirit. I I, yeah. I I And 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 it's so you're the first person to actually kind of seeing this and uh, yeah I'm I'm happy and, and I wanted to also inspire people actually. You know yeah. I wanted to also give more people the courage to do it because for example in Romania there are so many youngsters and I think all over the world they finish a film school and they are more afraid to make a film. I sure. think the school scares them so much because it tells them how many things are needed to make a movie. You know, how many things and they are so scared and they are even to make a short, literally, no, not even talking about a, about a feature. And my 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 um, what I wanted to say to people as well, and is to like it's it, it's the opposite actually. It's about all the things you don't need, right? Yeah. <laughs> to make a movie, not all the right. things you need. <laughs> just, just just throw everything to garbage and did just. If you don't have anything, literally take a phone and you're making a movie. Yep. <laughs> that phone. I
0: mean, and it's amazing because they teach you that uh, the more technology exists, well, now you can edit this way and now you can do that and do that. And what's amazing is that it's still at its core uh, something that has to come from a place of creativity and that will always shine through no matter what money is there, no matter what you're doing. So uh yeah it's it be my cat is proof positive that this kind of thing is possible still and that you don't need all of these things to um you know make make it and make a film that'll reach people and uh yeah it's very it's very powerful
2: very interestingly i'm i i'm receiving uh, i'm receiving i get very happy when i receive emails actually from uh, from film students and stuff and they said oh how much how much be my cat uh be My Cat uh, uh, inspired them and influenced I even received from a script writer. Like, he's a script writer, and he said, like, oh, my God, I learned so much about writing characters and stuff, Like I'm saying, wow, this is truly paradoxical because Be My Cat had no <laughs> script.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good lesson to learn, you know, is that uh, sometimes less is more, and sometimes, especially in film, if you don't have a character worth following, then what have you got, really? Um, And some of the best films, uh, you know, do the most with the least. So, yeah, again, uh, praise to that process for you. Um, And in that same vein, I'm also wondering, you know, you've talked so much in this interview and in other interviews about your preparation process to get into that character, the method acting that you employed to become the character from Be My Cat, which is then mirrored in the meta moment, which is my personal favorite moment in the whole film when you look at the camera and you go, Oh my God, I've become the character, um, (laughs) that you're like hunched over in the dark and it's so profound and meta and disturbing to see that, um, that, you know, and I know a lot of people that have suffered from mania and from delusions of grandeur and, and that look in your eyes, it's almost like when they say you see the shark and the shark's eyes are black. Um, and you have this intensity that you, you've realized you've become this person. Um, and I just wanted to know, how has the disconnection from that character gone for you um everyone always asks you about what was it like preparing and how many years did you spend in the character what has it been like shifting into your newer project and and letting go of that character even as everyone praises it and shows it again and mentions it to you or like today where you can't escape it and once again someone's asking you about it and what what has that been like for you
2: yeah. Uh, uh, to, be, to be honest, I, I, I don't remember uh, doing anything um, um, deliberate to uh, to uh, to let it go. Um, because uh, to be I don't. I'm not sure exactly why. How come? How come I didn't encounter any problems with that? Because uh, like I mean, during shootings, I kind of partially lived in character, and also a year in advance, I partially lived in character. Probably having the experience from 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 uh, acting that character in in theater, you know, and and immediately when the when the when the when the theater show ended, immediately I would just I would just let it go and stuff like that. Um, I, I think uh, and, and 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 teachers, acting teachers, say that you know that us as professional actors, we need to have a, a mechanism of assuming a character, but then we also need to have a a mechanism, a psychological mechanism of letting it go. And I think uh, I might have developed uh, such a mechanism probably even without knowing. Probably I, I, I was doing something subconsciously because... Uh, I never felt affected by the character in Be My Cat afterwards.
0: Well, I did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the problem though, the problem though and here if you allow me to talk a little bit about we put the word to sleep because it's connected Please. to this for my upco- for for my upcoming movie which has which has been in the works for the last 7 years. This is where I push things too far. You know, because, uh, I did not use because we shot uh, me and my wife. She's an actress as well and also a producer on the movie. So uh, we no longer had a, a language switch the way we had in Be my cat. You know, whenever we speak English, we are in character. We go from in our okay? cat. We didn't have that, and it literally for years, for years we lived. We kind of partially lived in character to a point of to a point of now looking back and realizing, oh my God, all these years I've had some. I had some life views, some, uh, uh, I, I, I thought of things about the world, I, I, I made some posts on social media, political posts, uh, I even lived my life in ways that I'm not so sure how much they were mine, and, and, and just inspired the character, or how much were from the character, and it's wow. so scary, and it's something that scared me, it scared me, and uh, I realized that I did a mistake, and I shouldn't have done it. I mean I mean yeah never because it also affected our personal lives as well I'm sure um, so so this thing that you are you are uh, afraid for that might have happened for be my cat didn't happen but unfortunately happened for we put the word to sleep uh, and 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 that's then that's so scary and crazy because we put the word to sleep is about uh, characters who get lost in their roles <laughs> oh boy <laughs> <laughs> Um, and now I let it go. Now, you know, but but I, I, I when uh, from the moment I realized that this is affecting our lives and oh my God, I'm I'm becoming somebody else, you know, I'm becoming that character, you know, because of all these years. Because I thought, oh, I'm an actor, I can do it, you know, sure. just 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 do it, just push method acting to extremes and stuff like that. But then I realized. That it, it, at at some point you know when you when you think too much in a certain way your psychology is affected you know it's, it you can't you can't uh, you can't fight it forever you can't at some point it will it will get you you know right. that, that yeah. thing that that fictional reality it will it will get you at some point and it's dangerous and i would advise now i you know now i have this advice for whoever is interested either film directors or actors i think it's crucial i think it's absolutely essential to leaving character before before shootings. Huh. Because then when you start shooting, you enter with a camera in a in a in a universe which is already established. You know, you enter with a camera in the intimacy of, of your characters. You know, you don't have actors that you need to direct. You know, you don't even need to direct them because they are already the characters. You know, they are already living the life. That's why I think it's so crucial to live in character before shooting any movie. But at the same time, uh, we, because I push things to extreme and I did this, you gotta be careful. I would say not more than two or three, two or three months. Mm. no i think everything beyond two or three months it's it's dangerous for your psychology literally and then you need psychological help literally to, to <laughs> right. return like i mean i needed i needed a year now or more than a year to recover from all mm. these years of living in character before we put the world to sleep and i actually had i talked with, the, with my psychologist like i had sessions literally wow to recover it's a it's It's crazy.
0: (laughs) Well, I uh, know that that has been a very long process for you, obviously. And um, I can, I'm sure, speak for many people when they say that. I'm sure that what you've put yourself through will be worth it. And um, (laughs) for us as the viewer, at least. Hopefully your marriage is okay. (laughs) So long as you're not waking up in a pile of Anne Hathaway DVDs every night, I'm not too worried about you. (laughs) and um yeah i've also been following the teasers for we put the world to sleep i am so excited to finally uh consume that movie and see what you've been working on all of these years um and uh you know from here my mission is to just keep supporting your work keep letting people know uh, about be my cat i mean i uh, I Really, I've, I've made lists on Letterbox about found footage. I've spent years searching out every nook and cranny in the genre that I could possibly absorb, um, and almost none of them have hit me in a way psychologically, mentally, uh, and creatively as this film. So I want to thank you, you know, not only for your time, but for your incredible work, uh, even though there's only so little of it for me to consume. And I don't think it's healthy for me to keep watching Be My Cat, but maybe I'll Keep passing it to others and uh, they will uh, help spread the word because I I think what you have uh, creatively is something not accidental, obviously. I mean, as soon as I looked up your biography and saw that you had studied acting, that was the first moment where I was like, this movie is exactly what I wanted it to be, where it really is a stroke of genius and isn't a mistake And isn't somebody who found their dad's camera and really has mental issues and is completely off the rocker watching Princess Diaries over and over again with a knife in their hand. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for your time and uh, for joining me here on the Movie Blues podcast and for everything that you've done so far. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about we put the world to sleep in terms of when we can get more of a taste for that or uh, we're just doing little lead-up clips or
2: yeah thank you thank you so much for for all the appreciation I'm I'm, I'm, I'm always happy when I uh, when I encounter people people like you you know how who, who get it so well you know like you are one of the few people people who get it like literally on every levels you know like uh, Thank you. Uh, all the passion and all the work and even the even what i wanted to aim with the movie and all that yeah um and uh, yeah and uh, i i have a there's a there's a much bigger Vision. What I want to say with uh, with 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 cinema. Uh, like, I mean, it's it's part of a, it's part of a trilogy actually. Now, um, Be My Cat. It's it's a, it's a loose trilogy. It's more like kind of the same universe uh, because uh, Be My Cat. You know, it's in the it's in the it's 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 brutal. It's vicious. It's it, it deals with uh, with very basic uh, um, uh, instincts and stuff like that. Uh, and then. Uh, we put the word to sleep, it's kinda we we put the word to sleep, I'm taking audiences from the level of from be my cat's level and I'm taking them to the next level. It's it's a more it's a more mental film, you know, like you go from lower impulses and brutality to go to a more to more mental, to a more rational level um uh in parts in parts equally horrifying but in a very different way a very different uh extremely different type of film is we put the word to sleep Uh and then the trilogy will end with pure which is again you are taking the same uh people uh, I mean, I don't know if, if I will have fans who will watch all three, but kind of that's my count. You know, I, I them from the. Yeah, I'm right here. Yeah, I, I'm painting them from that mental level, and I'm 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 making a proposition to go even further because pure will be about mysteries beyond reason. Will be. Mm will have spiritual teams like you go into into universal mysteries you go you go Terence Malik uh, <laughs> sure. directions actually and uh uh so i have this uh, i have this metaphysical uh, vision of what i want to of how i want to inspire audiences with 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 my work you know and where i want to uh, i want to propose them to go on a certain path and we will see. I don't know. It's a it's, it's a huge it's a huge experiment. We will see how, we, how they will react with, with, to, we put the world to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, if anybody, if anyone wants to support me, yet, uh, uh, they can support me on Patreon. By the way, uh, uh, they, they get they get thanks credits, producer credits, and in all these uh, in all these three films, uh, practically by by supporting me there. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to sign up for the Patreon ASAP. I've been doing so much research on Be My Cat over the past week that I haven't had time to focus on that, but I'm definitely going to check that out and support you in any way that I can because I'm so excited for that next film and was so inspired by your last. So from here until the release of that, nothing but the best luck for you and... Um, really will spend as much time as I can uh, in our little community and beyond just trying to push your name out there as much as possible. Um, so thank you. I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as we did. We just listened to it and sat in silence for 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, now uh, that we've talked to the man himself, now that we've properly set up the movie, now it's time to do what we usually do here, which is talk about the movie from a critical perspective, because that is our job. And Dan has had some <laughs> Dan has had some conflicts with the idea that if we were to do an episode where we interview the writer-director, that his creativity in in critiquing the film would be, in his words, stifled. Um <laughs> Dan, how stifled have you been by this experience? Do you want to do you want to unload a little bit?
1: I mean, I haven't been stifled at all yet.
0: <laughs> um, So I think everyone's heard me talk about this movie enough. Raise your hands. Yep. Everyone's raising their hands. And so I'm going to let Dan end and grab the ball real quick and tell me uh, a guy who usually doesn't like my horror recommendations, who usually doesn't like horror, who just admitted that slashers are kind of more his thing. And this isn't exact, well,
1: I'd say this I is more like a, a psychological torture. I do like torture. a found footage film, though. That's, uh, yes. that's my... So we're
0: hoping, we're hoping to bank on that. Um, <laughs> Dan Endon, not the Dan who uh, interviewed Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> to be clear. Dan Endon, how was your experience uh, with Be My Cat, a film for Anne, and did you watch it with Cat?
1: <laughs> yeah, so let me set up a premise here. Um, when Dan sent me this film, you know, we're doing the, each pick one and send it off to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, for, I'm trying to make, I mean, I always try to make a concerted effort to not look up anything about the movies we watch before we watch them, but Dan, in a rare occasion specifically told me not to read anything about this before I watch it, like not even the YouTube description. So, I didn't. And was in a very regular occurrence where, you know, I'm trying to figure out with Kat our plans for the week and like things are being suggested. I'm like, all right, just to be clear,
0: I need to watch X amount of movies by this time. <laughs> That's such a like what you just said, though. It just translates in my brain directly to so Kat and I needed to figure out when the absolute last moment available to God or man I could watch this movie would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, we also we only have one TV. Oh, God. And, like, I rarely
1: use it. But when I want it, I want it because um, this is my work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, so, you know, she was like, all right, what are the two movies? Oh, and there were potential plans of people coming over. So, like, it was like, do we do I need to prep them for w-? Right. So I was like, all right, you know, we, we got movie X, movie Z, whatever. People don't need to know how many episodes we do at once. Um, and, just, just one. <laughs> and um, so I was like, uh, and Dan's pick... Uh, for this week is a YouTube it link is uh, <laughs> this movie be my cat <laughs> so I was like do you want to watch X or do you want to watch fucking be my cat and she was like well like what are they about so you know for Southland Tales I was able to just show her the box mm-hmm. and be like here's what it's about um, for this one I was like so here's the thing I don't know anything about it um, I know it's like a horror movie And it's made by a first-time director um, in Romania. And it's all I know is that it's to some degree about a guy stalking Anne Hathaway. And she was like, okay. And what didn't occur to me is that when I said that, she assumed that I was referring to a movie in which Anne Hathaway is playing a character. Right. This is a classic mistake with Be My Cat, is that Anne Hathaway is in the movie. And, and, yeah, yeah, not only in the movie, but, like, she figured I was just referring to, like... Anne oh, Hath- Anne Hathaway, the a- character. Anne Hathaway
0: yeah. plays a girl. Playing Misty Stevens. <laughs> yeah, right. Famous actress. Yeah,
1: she thought we were going to watch a movie starring Anne Hathaway <laughs> in which she's being stuck. Nice. This is, a, this is great. This is the perfect setup. That didn't even occur to me. I, in my head, and, and as I said after the fact in an unsuccessful argument, was that... (laughs) No, I would have said it stars Anne Hathaway and, and you know, she plays whatever. Uh What I said was this is about a guy obsessed with Anne Hathaway. Right, right, right. Like, the person. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, is she in this movie? And I was like, no. And she's like, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out. Like... She uh, she instantly went into her phone, and this happened right before the torture scene, where there's just scream- <laughs> screaming and <laughs> screaming, and she goes, I'm never watching a blind Dan pick with you again. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, with that said, right, had she been properly prepared for what we were going to watch, it would have been a much different situation. We've watched movies infinitely more brutal and grotesque Shit. than this. And I was like I was like, you have to consider we're watching this on YouTube. It can only go so far. Uh-huh. Um, but either way, um that's how this started. So from ba- bad start, rough start, but uh ho- hoping for a recovery. Here. Yeah, and I was sitting there being like, Alright, well, I don't know. I don't like I don't know what she thinks of Dan in this moment. I don't wanna be sitting here being like Well, like I'm loving it. And uh, so what I said to her, I was like, you have to admit, this guy is an amazing actor. Mm-hmm. Like, right. assuming he's not like that in real life, the guy's an
0: incredible actor. And she was like, absolutely. I was like, great. And, and I'll stop you there, too, because my first defense tactic. Now, I watched this with Rachel um, because at this point I knew I was going to be interviewing Adrian and I wanted her to see it. And she wanted to see it as well because she knew I was doing the interview. It was my second watch. And at the same time, I guarantee you, as when you said it, I did my my watching a movie with Dan defense mechanism, where I looked at her and I was like, listen, you know, he is doing an incredible performance here, right? And she was like, yeah, definitely. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I don't think, uh, you know, for her either, uh, you know, and to anyone listening to this wondering, like, you know, what the deal is, like, not everybody's girlfriend wants to watch, like, a, a a twisted voyeur-like serial killer movie, and um uh Dan's fiance and my wife are not the target audience, but Rachel did really enjoy this. Um So, and
1: I think Cat would have been on board had she known she was even watching like a
0: horror movie that she wasn't watching the Princess Diaries three, <laughs> yeah, right, or the Fanatic two,
1: where um, John
0: Travolta sta- stalks Anne Hathaway as Moose. Uh, yeah, and I was
1: saying, I was like, I was like, dude, we're watching a movie that ships to us to some degree what the, like, the ending or what's going to happen in the first title scrawl. Yeah. And it's on YouTube, so...
0: Take that into account.
1: (laughs) But, like, knowing that it can only go so far and knowing that we know what's happening here and that that inherently sets every bit of foreshadowing up is incredibly ominous. I was incredibly impressed at this movie's ability to make me feel feelings uh yeah uh, my classic review is that i felt nothing and i did not feel nothing here uh, i was engaged as fuck i loved this movie yeah, yeah. yeah. all right
0: Woo whoa <laughs> i have like a, a pin, pin, like pins and needles all over my body right now waiting for that response so um Look, uh, you know I love horror. You know it's like my job to ship horror and to find new horror and to try to make everybody watch it. But most of those horror movies are pretty expensive. And like we were talking about earlier with Barbarian, like on HBO Max, great movie, but a a first-time director in a million years couldn't make it. But the thing is that this movie made me feel feelings that are closer to, like, The Shining than it is to, like, uh, The Conjuring, where there's dread over my whole body, and it's not because someone's being, like, vivisected. It's not because, like, I can see, like, horrible graphic things. It's because, like, you're getting into a dread zone of terror that is so rare and so hard to find um, that a guy chloroforming a girl could be scarier than any brutal kill, than any uh, big payoff. There's just, you know, whether it's even on purpose or not, because some of the things I asked Adrian, like, for example, there's one cut that I love in the movie. I know, I love that on, cut
1: too. I was, I was happy you brought that up.
0: Where he was like talking about the actresses and then, you know, like you heard in the interview. Um, Dude, that moment it? with the cut was the moment that I bought in. Right. I always have Same. I always have my
1: like 10 minute, like fucking Dan movie. Like, mm-hmm. And I'm, this is like in the first I'm thirty sitting seconds. There highly fucking suspect, and <laughs> I was like immediately like, okay, this when Dan said low budget, like I understand what we're about to be doing here. And then that cut happened. I was like, all right. And then there's another cut that happens.
0: Um, oh yeah, dude, there's a cut in this movie. Dude. I don't know if it's to what I'm thinking. It's a the the cut from him, uh, basically mentally torturing a person to actually strangling them out with a pair of oh, jeans. Oh, no,
1: that was, the, that was the third good cut. That cut Dude. made me fucking die. But that was like a classic horror cut to a degree. Like, that was very haneke esque Sure. And like, uh, there's a cut earlier where after he finishes his first murder and he stores the girl in the basement in mm-hmm. that little area, which was harrowing. Harrowing. Um, It does like, he's like, talking out loud like his thoughts of like you know what should I do and it does this quick cut to him walking outside in the daytime just like the next day just like casually talking about what he like his next like it's like just casually talking all cheerful and shit Mm -hmm. and that cut was fire instead of like showing I love the fucking dude the comparisons I'm gonna make I know dude in this movie I've made the most hyperbolic
0: comparisons with this movie yeah it's insane
1: but the only things you can compare to are things that like to be clear i this movie is not on that the level of the things that I'm going to reference, but sure. in terms of the way, nor should it, nor, it or and could nor could it, could it be, be. Yeah. yeah. But like it's like it's like Psycho, like yeah, with where I, it's it's about the fucking character. The violence is never on screen; it doesn't need to be. The sense of dread and the absurdity of the character, um, and the pathos drives the entire thing. And you were talking to him a lot about the character itself mm-hmm. and the psychology of it. And like, that's, it's really the reality of it. Like, you know, I fucking love man bites, bites dog. Yeah. If man bites dog was the dude carrying the camera himself, that's engaging as fuck. Yeah. You know, this movie has very clear deficits in terms of just like things that will inevitably happen on something sure. this low budget. And, you know, there are things to pick apart here and there, but in terms of a like, dude, I just love when someone goes out on a limb mm-hmm. to do something just fucking insane and it's so rare that something like this also has, like, a compelling character played by someone acting very well. Yeah. Like, this, like, 99 times out of 100, this movie would be schlock.
0: Oh, yeah. And this whole podcast is built on the very paradigm that you're describing, where, like, somebody's going to put themselves out there real big time, and they don't know what they're doing, and here it is. and And this guy... Put himself on a limb, yeah. big time. It's and literally
1: the opposite of the Poughkeepsie tapes.
0: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of found footage, right? I, I'm still in the process of watching all of them. I'm still in the process of uh, finding a new one, watching it. Now, when I see a good one, for example, there's a good one uh, a couple of years ago called The Pyramid, and it probably cost like thirty or forty million dollars to make. Um, And it's not a good movie. When it's over, the best I can say about it is this was a good movie for a found footage movie. Um, Whereas this movie, as a film, is almost negligible. It doesn't matter that there's been more expensive or better made found footage movies. This movie hit me in a way that almost no found footage movies have, where I'm feeling actually terrified. And and watching found footage is an attempt to stoke your fears like a roller coaster. It's like, uh, you know, roller coaster of jump scares of like, oh, well, they're holding the camera in a room that's super dark and I don't want to be here and they won't change the camera. Or, you know, Paranormal Activity is an entire series built on that, which is this is what the camera's looking at. You don't have a choice to look away Um, it's literally a security footage. That's how bound to the camera you are. This didn't need any of that. The visuals could have been better. It wouldn't have mattered. The visuals could have been less shaky. It wouldn't have mattered. The character is this, like, beast within this movie that if the movie, you know, when I talked to him um, and some of the interviews I've read with him, it used to have a very different plot. And the movie kind of fell apart when an actor who's going to play a pivotal role of, I believe, a pimp. Uh, who lived down the street dropped out of the movie. It changed the entire plot. It wasn't even a serial killer movie. It was basically his character having to rescue a girl that gets like kind of like taxi driver locked up in in a whorehouse basically. Um, and so even the idea that it was a slasher quote unquote movie was very last minute seemingly. Um, and again, like it's whether it's. Uh, Heath Ledger or, or beyond, it doesn't matter the movie that it's framed around, when you have a performance that's this compelling you can compare it to Silence of the Lambs or um, Gary Oldman and Dracula or Psycho. Psycho is actually an amazing comparison that never entered my mind. That's
1: all I thought, dude, the whole at the end of it, and then especially while listening to him, dude, like that interview was really good um, him talking about um nope we're gonna have to cut this chunk of
2: time, cause I'm Blaze.
1: That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he was just like talking about his influences, mm-hmm. you were like kind of trying to bait it out of him to some degree, and you know, it's um, all the things he was referencing. You know, he wants to. He's talking about like Terrence Malick and things like that. Oh yeah, he loves Terrence and, Malick.
0: Like I just like. Well, it didn't come up in the interview, but do you know what his two favorite movies, his inspiration no. for this were? were uh, Blair Witch Project and 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> and he's obsessed. I've heard him in other interviews with... Not obsessed, but he is interested in the obsession that Kubrick had. And he was talking about how when he shoots, he does no obsession. The opposite of Kubrick. Because Kubrick wanted a thousand takes. Yeah, yeah. Um, this movie is all first takes. Um, he did do multiple takes, but only ever used the first of anything that he did in this. Okay. Um, and... Um, he said he's the opposite. When he gets into the editing room, that is when he becomes obsessive. And he said that the editing process, originally there's almost 30 hours of footage shot for this movie that he narrowed down on a timeline to an hour and a half. Um, and even that, you can see how brilliant he is. If you if you were to say two things about this guy, because you can't say like, oh, he's an amazing film director because he's literally holding the camera, swinging it around. It's not about directing. There's no crew. Um, there's no actors. Hold on! Cut it! Cut this! Cut these noises. Um. He is basically like running the entire thing by himself. So I'm not sure his directing prowess, but as an actor, 10 out of 10. And as an editor, I would say 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, the choices. Is- from an editing point of view that he made in this movie are absolutely stunning at points. Dude, like, and the cuts of, are amazing. And some of the shots there are like the, some of the few times
1: that the camera's on a tripod, like just that first chunk where, uh, with the first actress where mm-hmm. he wants to keep doing, uh, takes of her walking by and then him like going to grab her right, right. for the chloroforming and everything. Yeah. Like, dude, that looks like a Haneke shot right there. It like does. I'd be very shocked if he's not like heavily influenced, like,
0: This movie felt like cachet, like funny games. Like Like, cachet has a lot of like uh, in neighborhoods shots uh, outdoors during the daytime. And and so does this. And it's Um, all just like so cold and removed. I knew that this movie was going to be brilliant when not only his character. Right. But in the first 10 minutes the first actress arrives for him to basically play mental torture games with. If you're still listening to this episode and you haven't seen the movie, which again, huge mistake.
1: you have made a tactical error. If
0: you haven't seen the movie um, within the first 10 minutes, he starts bringing actresses in who he um, thinks kind of resemble Anne Hathaway, which they all do in different stages of her career, um, which is another thing I'm not sure is accidental or not, but um, the first actress arrives and just so you know, Dan, I'm not sure the level of which you know the BTS stuff with this movie. Dear. Zero. Okay, so here are some interesting facts that are going to make you really perk up. First fact is that all the actresses he was really contacting, um, and the first time you see them in the movie is the first time he actually met them. And he said, when you arrive, I will be in character. That, that's that. If you want to jump out of character, your safe word is to speak in Romanian. Okay. So when you see these actresses come up, they'll start speaking Romanian to him. And he goes, in English, please. In English, please. Now, the first third of the movie, which kicks off at around 10 minutes, which I think is one of the most effective first thirds I've seen in any movie, horror or otherwise, he plays a game of grooming, intimidation, and mental torture on the first actress that not only is brilliant from a horror point of view, but is extremely meta, which he said his goal of this movie was to be meta. It's not an accident whatsoever. A meta, um, description and portrayal of a overbearing director asking for the impossible from his actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, now if you've ever heard of anything from, uh, Werner Herzog or, um, you know, actor, uh, directors like that, or Kubrick himself, they go through these processes of asking so much from their actors that it causes them to have mental breaks. Basically, There's notorious stories from Kubrick's career about him asking for so many takes that actors would literally break. And that is what you're seeing in this first scene. He follows the actress around and he presents a situation, which I will say is a more intense game than any Saw movie (laughs) has ever portrayed. Right. this is a perfect example of what you call torture cinema, where in Saw, it's like you're hooked up to an electric bed with knives in your penis. And the only way to get out is to pull them out and like, oh, gross, disgusting. Ooh, I'm scared. Not really. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Whereas the game that Jigsaw or Adrian plays in this particular section of the movie is I am going to film you walking by me. And if I get within one meter of you, I'm going to say stop and we need to start again. You cannot run. And no matter what you do, I can run. But if I get within a meter of you, you're caught and we need to start again. And then you start to see this happening again, again, again. And he gets close. And she thinks of a new tactic and she uh, cuts in, you know, 180 degrees and walks the other way. And then he follows her again and again. Oh, I got you too close. Oh, I got you too close. Then an argument kicks off, which is like meta genius and, and begins to start the real dread where he's like, I'm asking you to do this and you must find a solution. Yeah. And she's like, there is no solution to this. And he's like, that is not an answer. You must find me a solution. You are the actor. You will find the solution. And she's like, there is no solution. Yeah. Is
1: no- she's like, it's the director's job to provide the solution. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, that's not what being a real actor is, which comes in at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Which I loved.
0: <laughs> um, and Um, And you watch an unraveling happen. And what you're watching is a real life unraveling because that actress became so unnerved that she called the police on Adrian and the shot of the cops showing up on set are real cops showing up to speak to him about what's going on. Yeah. That's
1: why I figured. I was like, this dude didn't have the budget to have the police arrive.
0: So that like what you're watching and, and <laughs> this, this is when really I, going for it. <laughs> this is when I knew my wife was into the movie as well. She turned to me right before the actress calls the cops and goes, when did they stop acting? Yeah. And I was like, great question, Rachel. Like that's, that means you're really vibing with what's going on here. And, um, you see a realness to her performance. And by the way, the realness of these actresses performances, uh, insane. Like in later on the second actress's performance, whilst being tortured, the screaming is like burnt etched into my brain. It was so deeply realistic and unsettling. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I think that first third, I saw that and was like, whoa, what, like, this movie isn't bad? Like, what are we doing here? Like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't, like, the usual experience that I'm expecting for the podcast, was, for found footage, anything. I, I thought it was
1: the most interesting thing in that entire interview was him saying that if left to his own devices, the thing that he would remove from the movie is the torture scene. I was very which shocked is, to hear that. Which yeah. was, it was great, because when I was like, dude, in that scene, like, that was... Those screams are what sent Kat away from the movie. Fair. Yeah, super fair. And I was sitting there, I was like, I'm already bought into this movie enough and, like, have the have the vibe. Like, I was sitting there being like, I wish this scene wasn't here. Right. Um. I was loving how it... And even still, then I was very happy that it was, like, implied and had a little homage to Psycho with the blood spatter. hmm But it, it's, like, it shows, like... I don't know if it shows, like, he... An understanding of, like... When he was mentioning there's not really, like, a film community in Romania for, like, horror, like, that does show an understanding of, like, the American audience and European audience that he would need on board for this type of movie to gain any traction. Sure. It's so like, I understand why it's there, but I was in there, I'm like, if this scene wasn't there, I would feel just the same way about this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty fucking impressive. This movie Uh, could have had zero violent shots with the exception of the choking scene.
0: Yeah. And and I would have been on board. I've heard him say that he regrets that blood spatter, too, that he thinks it looks fake or something like that. And I, again, I I took it more as like a representation. It wasn't about the splatter. It was about the idea that he was cutting her so deeply that she was spraying blood. Yeah. Um,
1: And that he's doing so, so deeply and doesn't care about the camera actually fucking picking it up. like. What he's interested in is the character, which mm-hmm. is just the head who you can see behind the, scre- the screen screaming.
0: I want to give him props also for what I think is also so special about this movie and his character in particular. Um, and this can get into a little chat about his character uh, and character work in this movie. Um, but his character is not static. It's not that you start in a place of, here's a psychopath uh, who's been killing people and you get to watch him kill people. There is an arc to his insanity. It's not like the kind of arc you expect in a movie where a character gets better or something. It's like Joaquin Phoenix and Joker, where you're watching an arc of a character becoming diseased basically, mentally, and truly lose their mind. And that arc is basically... Uh, A a man who is making this film to impress Anne Hathaway uh, as he becomes the character in the film who is then deserving of in a kind of twisted incel way and destined to be with Anne Hathaway as her director. It's almost as if throughout the film, he is convincing himself that he is going to do this. And as it escalates his insanity escalates. And I mentioned to him in the interview, it's like one of the most effective, craziest parts, both as a meta commentary on method acting, but also just in this film, in this performance, where he is like huddled in the dark, having already killed two people, I think, at this point. And his eyes light up, and he's just like, I've become the character. Yeah. Like, it, the cycle is complete. She now it will be my actress. I have become the character. So you get to watch this progression into true insanity that is so rare and special uh, for movies like this. And yeah, that, that unsettled me a lot was watching someone who in the first two seconds of the movie, you're like, this person's crazy to seeing that play out to its craziest degree. Like how far the mental state can degrade under mania and delusions of grandeur. And it's, it's such a nuanced at all levels from his hands to his eyes to the way he says, oh, my God, over and over again. He laughs at himself constantly. His laughs become more manic, crazier throughout the film. I mean, his progression into insanity, whether that was from really making the movie and was playing into his character or whether he just decided to amp it up throughout. I mean, by the time this movie ends, he's got this very giddy, manic insanity that he's stuck in that is just... Chilling to be a part of like Um, his
1: giddiness about having become the character just like out of nowhere, not out of nowhere. I mean, it's shipped the entire time, but like it's this clear moment of realizing that, like the implicit core to everything, his whole core motivation and what sets all this into motion and is a consistent throughout his escalation of insanity is like just like a core belief or misunderstanding that like true acting needs to be that degree of real sure it's it's just like a commentary on how fucking insane of a degree method acting can take you yes yeah like the entire movie every choice he made it like once he said that i was like oh man every single thing he was doing you can really tie it to the idea that like it's not authentic if it's not real and that's what it's gonna take to get anne hathaway to be in a movie and then to have that little the interview with the second actress, he's like, Anna Hathaway's a shit actress. <laughs> I was like, this <laughs> um Also, it's starting with his mother in that first scene. Yeah. That's genius and all. I was just like, I love that poor woman.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I mentioned it in the interview. I, 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 I enjoyed what you had to say about yeah, that, actually. Yeah, no, I loved that. Um, I love that. Yeah. This is I,
1: like, <laughs> this I, is Clerks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean sure like if you want to compare it to something like Clerks for example um, Clerks was st-
1: it's just like Clerks if Kevin Smith grew up under like
0: the Soviet Eastern <laughs> Bloc rather than fucking <laughs> Highlands Jersey. New Jersey <laughs> um, the thing is like uh, yes Clerks but also like this both personally physically like Clerks he had people with him being like Good job, Kevin. Yeah, this is funny. Like, yeah, right. He had people to distribute it. He had like, you know, people were there. There was a full cast, and and he, he got someone to distribute it. He swung for the fences by making Star Wars jokes, but I would argue like going from never holding a camera to antagonizing a human being into calling the police on you. Yeah, right. Is swinging for the fences in a way that I'd say almost no first time directors. I mean. There's so many like, oh, look at, you know, pulled up by his bootstraps and made this with very little blah, blah, blah. But like this movie went a lot further than most of those debuts with a lot less. Dude, all the fucking the
1: 95 dogma from all the goddamn 90s fucking pretentious uh, cinema verite directors. Uh, We talked about we've done a bunch of these movies. Yeah. And we talked about in an early episode. uh, What's his face? Um, Who directed fucking Antichrist. Lars von Trier. Yeah, von Trier's fucking first movie, like, after they made this whole list. Like, he still fucking abandoned it. They still had fucking external sound. This is, like, this, this is, movie actually follows it. Yeah. This it's, movie is incredible. This is a hearkening <laughs> back to, like, a bunch of movies made in the 90s that were very important or very regarded that I think are all terrible. This movie was, it, it did
0: it with such a fucking amount of heart Yeah, to such an insane idea. <laughs> With a tremendous amount of subtext too yeah like and and it it is not a movie that's not about anything. You can read this movie in a variety of ways um and yeah, I mean what it what it comes down to is that like all the other directors that you just mentioned got picked up, changed their style, enhanced it, moved on to bigger cameras, bigger setups. this guy, since this movie came out is entrenched himself in another character with his wife now, who is also in her character for years setting up this next movie. And it, he did the same thing for this. He spent easily a year or more as that character to make this movie. It would, he went to school for method acting. It's, his MO to do this kind of thing. You would think with the commentary on method acting, though, he
1: would have taken a step
0: back. At least he's self, you know, at least he's self-aware <laughs> yeah. of how, how absurd it is. But if you're going to do it, do it like this guy did it. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a single point where uh, you see him break character. No. And, and there's no moment where you don't buy it. Right. And to the point where I was afraid to interview him, where I was like, I need to make sure first and this is before any research was done that I watch another interview with him because I am either going to see this exact same person or I'm going to see like a guy with a British accent. Who's like a genius, like, yeah, right. (laughs) Like, right. And, and truthfully, like he does seem, uh, you know, pretty animated and ecstatic about his work and like a very unique mind, but he hasn't sought out, the studio system or hasn't ridden his accolades to trying to get some other kind of movie made. He's literally like doubling down on the things that made this movie special. And that's why I'm, yeah, I'm psyched about that next one. I Um, mean, why
1: not man in this fucking current film ecosystem, like the overhead for what he's doing, he can fucking produce that and ride the, the hype of this into having dude, Having a niche community on the internet is how to fucking carve out a goddamn good life for yourself these days.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think he's going about it the right way. I, my only concern is that, like, it it just takes him so long to make these movies. Yeah, I mean, but how I many time- more. How <laughs> many times does
1: a director come out with this, like, thing that you're like, this enigmatic thing that you're just like, I have no idea what the fuck I just watched. I've never seen anything like that. And then they get what they want, which is the fucking keys to the castle and the ability to make something with studio money. And uh, that brings us to next week's next episode. Next <laughs> week's episode of
0: the Movie <laughs> Blues podcast, which is going to be the inverse of this experience. Um, yeah, uh, I, I want to give this movie a rating. I've struggled with what that could be. Um, there are so many factors that make this a different kind of rating experience. Yeah, it's very tough. Because, like, am I going to give this a score that's gonna put it past like some like of Mary Linden. Yeah, some yeah. of the best movies ever made. No, so like Adrian, if you're still listening, we rate every single movie for five seasons now. This is our sixth and we have to be careful because when we put things above let's say a seven Things start to get really electric in the air um, because, you know, down the road, we're going to have to look back and be like, well, was Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer better than Be My Cat? I doubt (laughs) Uh, it. I doubt it. Um, (laughs) Hard doubt it. Hard doubt. Um, Okay, so let me grab my my special pen here. Have you have you thought at all about the difficulty of rating this, Dan?
1: Yeah, of course. But I know I'm going to rate it. But I've also been a bigger proponent to like rating things on different scales. Yeah. Like, this is a movie where, like, there's numerous aspects that I want to give different ratings. But, like...
0: Sure. <laughs> Again, like, this isn't, you know, this isn't the, the the debut of the best director of all time. But it's definitely yeah. the debut of a very special talent.
1: I am always willing to give a lot of leeway for someone who just fucking goes for it to do something fucking wild.
0: And there's, like, a DIY spirit to this movie. Yeah, like okay. I said to him, the American dream, like as much as I hate that statement, the from the 70s and 80s, when filmmakers and still to this day, when foreign filmmakers come here to try to make something with nothing and try to, you know, get into Hollywood's good graces, this guy like did the dream, which is just you pick up a camera and you shoot a movie. That's what I felt in high school. Yeah. It's what I felt when I was younger it and made wanted me, to be.
1: It made me have the moments of being, like, feelings I haven't felt since college of, like, I could do that. I was literally going to text you and say, like, we should just make a movie. <laughs> you know how long it's been since I felt that, dude? Yeah, I mean, it's inspiring, definitely. Um, Like, and even if I try to pick apart the movie in terms of filmmaking, which is, like, not even fair for something like this. Literally, the only thing I would really change about it is that I wish the opening title scroll didn't say, like, this is found footage from the crime scene of blah, blah, blah. Because I would have loved... It would have been even scarier. I would have loved for the subtle escalation to happen with no idea where it was going.
0: That might be the only found footage trope in the entire movie, is just him yeah, putting yeah. that title card up. I, I will present to you an idea, though, uh, which makes him maybe actually seem like an incredible director, which is, if this movie were shot by a director let's say like mid-level horror director, not a huge deal, but somebody who knows what they're doing on set and has like a crew with him starring in it, like him being shot by a cameraman or something to that effect, it would have been so much worse. Like his character being connected to the camera and the camera being Anne Hathaway as a fictional uh, entry point is as wild as it gets. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Dan Enden, what do you give... uh, free on YouTube 25 uh 2015's Be My Cat a film for amp. Do you know what an ask it is for me to like take
1: seriously a movie that's on YouTube? Like I know this is a big deal.
0: When you were when you were, <laughs> when you
1: were like it's on YouTube, it's about this. I was like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I know
0: I knew you would think that. I and was like, I dropped How you, did
1: you even find this? <laughs> I dropped you the
0: link so nonchalantly. Yeah. I was like, "Here it is." And you were like, "Dude, you didn't say anything, but I could smell it." Through no, the, through I the was, chat
1: i was working and i was like i'm not even clicking that like oh i, w- I know i know I, I was like i saw the thumbnail and i saw a little bit of the description and i was like "Of oh, fucking course like
0: <laughs> well you're welcome yeah
1: um i'm gonna give this movie an 8.2
0: um this is a very high score for for movies uh, for, for me oh, for me
1: in particular
0: for dan in particular um I am gonna give it an eight point five. Um, really think that really, Dan, is this better than crawl? Yeah, this was <laughs> so much better than crawl. It's not even in the same galaxy. Um this was a special movie. and I wish I could give it a nine or a ten, but I think even Adrian would admit that you know, that he was working with very little. Um, another behind the scenes moment that I think you would find interesting is that. One of the actresses, he's never made it clear who, because he said he wanted to kind of protect her identity. This is from a different podcast interview. One of the actresses during shooting called her father in and was like, you need to protect me. Uh, This is just so weird. And this dad showed up and was behind him while he shot the scenes with her and was on set waiting for her. And at a certain point, cut in and said, that's it. I'm taking her and we're leaving. Oh, my God. And he had to cut that actress's plot line short because he could no longer use her. Right. And I've spent now several days trying to figure out which of the three that it could be. Yeah. And it's very hard. Yeah. It could feasibly be any of the three. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to know, but it is an interesting fact. Um towards the DIY insanity of just the idea that a shot of this movie was being done with the girl's father right behind him is yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, wow. What a movie. Yeah. What an experience. And we will be thrilled maybe you'll jump in for the next time we speak to adrian about uh his new film coming out i think this year
1: um adrian let us get first crack at it dog
0: yeah come on dog um (laughs) uh and movie blues exclusive baby (laughs) (laughs) and with that uh we're gonna do what we usually do at the end here and that's i would like to see the baby baby